Welcome to the very first episode of the Her Historically podcast. I am your host, Sasha, and I am so excited that you are joining me on this history journey. Before I dive into who this episode is about, I wanted to first give a little bit of background about how this podcast even came into existence. I've always loved history and I love learning. And so for me, I wanted to tell stories of women who we don't know about, primarily women of color, black and brown women and other marginalized group women, those in the LGBTQ plus communities, women that we haven't heard about, because I know that history is told from the men's point of view. And there are stories that we don't know at all. And there are women who have lived these amazing lives and have stories that deserve to be told. And so I I hope that with this podcast that you learn about women who inspire you and who have amazing stories and are part of our history that we just don't know about. And so that's what this podcast is going to be. And so let's just dive into it. But first, I want to give two caveats. The first being that there are mentions of lynching. So just something to be aware of. And the second is that there is a lot of Spanish in the story that I'm telling today. And although I am Puerto Rican. Spanish is not my first language. So I'm going to try my best with the pronunciations, but please give me some wiggle room. I am practicing my Spanish. My pronunciation is not the best, but I'm going to try. So let's talk about Jovita Aydiar. Jovita was a Mexican-American journalist, activist, and suffragist. And she was born in September 7th, 1885 in Laredo, Texas. She was the second out of eight kids from her parents, Nakisio, and her mother, Jovita Vierro. Her father, Nakisio, was born in Port Isabel, Texas, and her mother, Jovita, was from San Luis, Portuosi, Mexico. They met at the border and married, and her father worked as a yard master in the railroad yards of Nuevo León, where he organized workers in the city of Acombrado. According to his son, Aquilino, her dad from the first union of railroad workers in Mexico, La Audiencia Suprema de Empleados Ferrocarrios Mexicanos. Nakisio had egalitarian beliefs and openly discussed and opposed race relations in the South. He was actually able to leave railroad work and he eventually became publisher of the newspaper La Cronica in Laredo. The newspaper featured stories on the struggles of ethnic Mexicans, including educational and social discrimination, the loss of Mexican culture and the Spanish language and lynchings. Three of his children, Clemente, Jovita, and Eduardo would continue to advocate for human and civil rights through journalism. Now, to give a little context into the time of Jovita's upbringing, prior to her birth, the Mexican-American War, which happened between April of 1846 and February of 1848, caused the U.S. to acquire Texas, which was previously the sovereign state of Mexico, as a territory. Tijanos, also known as Mexican-Americans, faced brutal violence from the local mobs and were routinely discriminated against by white Americans on the land that was native to them. Mexican Americans faced displacement, the criminalization of their native language, lynchings, extreme poverty, and unequal access to resources. And this was the time that Jovita was born. The Diar family were part of the gente decente who had better access to good education and opportunities that many Mexicotiano families had. All eight Idar children grew up in an atmosphere where rights and responsibilities in the underprivileged circumstances of the Chicano community were consistently discussed. She attended the Laredo Seminary, where she learned English and was also educated at the Dominguez Institute, where she was mentored by Professor Simon Dominguez. She would then attend a Methodist school in Texas called the Holding Institute, where she earned her teaching certificate in 1903. 
Jovita immediately began teaching in a small town called Los Huelos in southwestern Webb County. Once she became a teacher, she was exposed to the harsh realities that her students were experiencing, both in and outside of school. She noticed the lack of supplies and resources, and the supplies that the students did have were in poor condition. Frustrated with the subpar conditions in the school, the lack of resources, and poor classroom conditions, and also just in general with the curriculum that did not educate Mexican children about the history and heritage, she soon resigned. Jovita argued that Hispanic children needed to learn both English and Spanish in schools, as well as both Anglo-American and Mexican culture and history. She warned that if children did not attend bilingual schools, they would lose their Hispanic heritage. Jovita was a strong supporter of women's education and said, quote, educate a woman and you educate a family. During this time, the Mexican-American community in Texas also frequently faced violence and lynchings. She started working at her father's newspaper, La Cronica, where two of her brothers were already working. As a writer and publisher for the family newspaper, she was able to bring her progressive beliefs to a wider audience. La Cronica had a reputation for promoting civil rights for the Hispanic community. Regular topics included anti-Hispanic racism, school segregation, the promotion of Anglo-American cultures in school, the lynchings of Hispanics, and the Catholic Church's poor treatment of women. The family faced significant danger because of their activism. Jovita's brother, Federico, was assassinated, and her brother, Clemente, received death threats. Although her father and brothers wrote under their own names, Jovita used pen names. Two of her known names were Ave Negra, which means blackbird, and Astrella, which is the Greek goddess of justice, which would signify and foreshadow the life that Jovita would go on to live. Jovita's articles touched upon issues of education and women's rights. She often wrote articles speaking about racism and supporting the revolution in Mexico, and even wrote an article for La Cronica supporting women's suffrage and encouraging women to vote. Which, as a reminder, this is the early 1900s and way before the suffragist movement would gain steam in the U.S., on September 22, 1911, after the brutal lynching of a 14-year-old Antonio Gomez in Thorndale, Texas, Jovita and her family used La Cronica to advocate for the formation of El Primer Congreso Mexicanista, the first Mexican Congress. El Congreso was a group of Mexican-American men and women who wanted to fight for the fair and equal treatment of Hispanic people in Texas. The first Mexican Congress was nine days long and held in Laredo, Texas, and the meeting included speeches, performances, and other events celebrating Mexican heritage and criticizing the poor treatment of Hispanics in Texas. This organization is credited with launching the Mexican-American Civil Rights Movement and catalyzed the creation of two other organizations, the Great Mexican League for the Beneficence of Protection and the League of Mexican Women, La Lenga Feminil Mexicanista. Jovita would be one of the founding members, and in October of 1911, she became its first president. This feminist organization started its activism by providing education for Mexican-American students and is one of the earliest known efforts of Mexican-American women to unite for social and political causes. La Lengua was both a political and charitable organization. It emphasized the importance of educating women and fought against the segregation of school-aged children which, again, happened way before the Civil Rights Act of the 1960s, which encouraged the segregation of schools. 
It encouraged women to break out of the domestic sphere. La Lengua believed that the national border should not separate women and that Mexican and Mexican-American women had similar needs and wants. Members brought their work and their message to both Laredo, Texas and Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. They created study sessions for women, opened free bilingual schools for children, and raised money to help poor families. La Lengua promoted financial independence for women workers and encouraged these women to join the Momento Feminista, a.k.a. the feminist movement. Inspired by her work with La Lengua, Jovita founded El Estudiante, a weekly bilingual education newspaper for teachers. Articles offered strategies for bilingual education and discussed the dangers of the Anglo-Americanization of schools. In March 1913, when Nuevo Laredo, on the Mexican side of the border, was attacked, Jovita and other Laredo women crossed the Mexican-American border to care for the injured during the Mexican Revolution. Jovita selflessly acted as a nurse and cared for countless individuals when there was very limited medical aid. She risked her own life to help others because women from a variety of socioeconomic backgrounds participated in the revolution, and Jovita did her part to support these women. She also worked as a nurse for an organization called La Cruz Blanca, which is a group that's similar to the Red Cross and consisted mostly of women. Jovita would return to Texas later in 1913 to continue her journalism and began working at the El Progreso newspaper. While she was there, she wrote an article protesting President Woodrow Wilson's decision to send U.S. troops to the border. It was virtually unheard of for a Mexican woman to publicly challenge the president of the United States, but Jovita did so fearlessly. After the publication of such a bold article, the U.S. Army and Texas Rangers set officials to shut down El Progreso. When the Rangers arrived, Jovita stood in front of the door and would not let them in. However, they did return later and El Progreso was forced to shut down. Even though the Rangers shut down El Progreso, Jovita continued to write and advocate for the fair treatment of Mexican-Americans. She went back to La Cronica to continue speaking out against the inequalities Mexican-Americans were facing and soon started running the newspaper when her father passed away in 1914. In 1917, Jovita married Bartello Juarez and they eventually relocated to San Antonio, Texas, where Jovita continued to support and engage with the women in her community. She became active in the Democratic Party in Texas and promoted equal rights for women. She opened a free kindergarten that ensured a quality education for young Mexican children. And she continuously denounced the poor education quality for Mexican children and related the subpar education to the disadvantaged socioeconomic standing of Mexican-Americans in Texas during that time. Jovita also advocated that Tijana women should be able to earn a quality education because it would allow them to be better equipped to support their families. She argued that educating women would empower the entire Mexican community because women are responsible for numerous roles within that community. She also became an editor of the publication for the Methodist Church called El Heraldo Cristiano. She remained committed to her community and even volunteered at a hospital as an interpreter for Spanish-speaking patients. She would continue working with women and children, advocating for quality education until her passing on June 15, 1946. Jovita will actually be honored on an American Woman Quarter in 2023. Her story is one that we often don't hear about. As an advocate for education and women's rights in the early 1900s, she was way before her time, especially 
because she advocated for women of color and Mexican-Americans in particular. If you've never heard about Jovita before, then her story is definitely one you should know. Thank you for joining me on an incredible journey through history with today's story. If you want to take a deeper dive into any of the women that I talk about on the podcast, you can visit historicallypodcast.com. There you can find additional resources and you can also let me know about women you want to hear about on the show. Make sure you subscribe to stay updated on future episodes and don't forget to leave a review and let me know how I'm doing. Thank you for being part of today's historical journey. And until next time, remember that her story is one you should know.